0: say hello to those people that are watching online. I'm trying to get used to remembering that and and saying things like that. But uh, thank you if you're tuning in. uh, And if you're tuning in right now and you're on fall break and you went to Florida or somewhere else that seems like really fancy and awesome to go in the middle of October, then uh, we're pretending that we're not jealous of you. And uh, next time you should invite us, okay? I'm just saying. Uh, there's, There's... What's that, as as yeah, yeah, uh yeah, we're yeah we I won't say anything like we hope it's hotter there or something like that, but uh, but we might be thinking it if we're just real honest. so but no, seriously, if you're tuning in online, thank you for doing that, and uh thank you guys for being here with us this morning um i I've managed to snag one of these shirts at least to borrow uh for this morning, um and uh this is uh this is the fire department shirt from. Uh, From their festivities yesterday, uh, which is kind of doing a couple of things going on with uh, uh, the deal here. And if you if you didn't go, I think this is pretty cool. Uh, I I don't know how many places you go in the country or the world where you would find your local fire department shirt with a cross on the back and it says "Faith Over Fear" Uh, and then the name of the fire department down at the bottom, Pleasant View Fire Department, which is pretty awesome. but uh, also, this is—it's uh, also in memory of CJ, uh, and of course, pink for the whole pink out thing and all that too. But in, in memory of CJ, just very appropriate uh, timing-wise that that happened this weekend, and uh, I'm I'm honored to get to just borrow one of these for today, as, as today would have been CJ's birthday, and so uh, you know, just pretty awesome, pretty awesome uh, to get to celebrate uh, his life with you guys and and his families here this morning, and. Uh, they're they're doing they're they're a whole row of pink out this morning so uh, you can uh, love on them and say hello to them uh, and continue to be praying for them uh, we love them very much and uh, just uh, uh, that's always in the forefront of our minds what's going on there so uh, but just, just uh, some awesome stuff so. Uh, But yeah, so uh, awesome day yesterday, getting to hang out with a bunch of those guys, um, and uh, uh, I I, I stopped in. We had soccer games yesterday, and and I stopped in kind of on my own. His family went home, and uh, just to kind of see everybody and and, uh, try to be supportive of those guys, I feel like God has kind of put on my heart to minister to uh, our, our fire guys as much as possible and that kind of thing, and that actually led into some great conversations yesterday. Uh, which uh, I'm excited about. Uh, and I, I walked away I walked away from that yesterday. I thought I was walking away from hanging out with a couple of friends that were there and then ended up in a whole nother conversation with a whole bunch of people and <laughs> really needed to be somewhere else. Uh, but, uh, but God had different plans. and just I, I, the, whole, the whole time I was there yesterday was just sprinkled with the gospel. Uh, I mean, just to put it bluntly, and uh, I mean, it was just awesome. So uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see, I won't say too much, I'm excited to see what God's going to do uh, with all of that. And, and out of all these things that we've been through, uh, God is working and He's doing some awesome things. And I, I'm just excited. Did you get that, that I'm excited? Because I'm excited. Okay. Uh, I wa- I walked away from that jacked up yesterday. So... Uh, so we're going back to the Book of Mark today, and if uh, you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and get it out. And if you don't have a Bible, our ushers will be glad to bring you one. You can throw your hand up, and they will get one to you. And uh, we're going to Mark chapter eight. Um, I was hanging out with a family this week, and they were uh, we were at a at an event, and uh, they were their their parents were there, and they come here. But we were talking about uh, that we've been going through the Book of Mark and. And, and they said uh, something to the degree of yeah you know I think we're finally in chapter nine or something like that you know we've been doing this since February and uh, and I said I said no 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 we're we're not in chapter nine yet we're still in chapter eight <laughs> and so uh, but uh it, it is so good like it has been so good I don't know about for you but for me it's been so good uh, and I, and I think for our church it's been so good and I'm just reminded of of when we get to study and teach expository teaching through scripture uh, like what we're doing uh you know god just God just uses it timing wise in his own ways uh to comfort to lead to challenge all of all of those things that he knows that we need uh and that's that's pretty awesome and so yeah we're going to mark chapter eight today and uh there is uh, uh oh most it's actually must but that's okay uh so uh uh, yeah, you know, uh, maybe and I may have misspelled it. It might be my fault, so you know whatever. Uh, you never know what spell check's gonna do. Uh, but uh, I mean, it's not usually a word you see by itself. Uh, but uh, you know there's a lot of things that we must do uh, in life, you know um, uh, you know and, and, and of course we've got like the the little list of things that like we all say, you know, like you, you go to work, you got to pay your taxes, you must do this, you must do that, you must you know. Uh, you know, if you got kids, you must change diapers at some point in your life. Uh, you know, wh- whatever it is. I mean, there's all, all of these things. Look at that. Bam. On the fly. <laughs> See how I did that? I didn't even touch a computer. Uh, <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that we must do. And, uh, you know, and, uh, it, you know it, it, there's, there were things that Christ had to do. Uh, and in this passage, you know, this is this is an interesting passage because, uh, you know, it's it's right after, if you'll remember, and I know it's been a couple weeks because we had Serve Sunday last week. Which, by the way, let me just say uh, with that, thank you, thank you to everybody that served last week uh, and was a part of that last week. That was the biggest Serve Sunday we've ever had. I, I, I think in, in many in a lot a lot of people just kind of kept having the same conversation with me from different walks of life, saying things like. You know, it's not that the others have been bad, but this one just felt like the best one I was ever a part of, uh, and and so kudos kudos to all the people that helped put that together. Uh, you guys know who you are. We're just so so incredibly thankful for you and for everybody just willing to serve. Uh, but anyway, um, so you know with. Uh, uh, yeah with this passage, you know one of the things that was going on uh is that this passage comes on the heels of something that we just saw happen, uh and which was Peter finally like coming forward, and we think probably on behalf of not just himself but the disciples. Jesus starts that line of questioning, if you remember, where he's like, Who am I? you know what you know do you know who i am and 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 you know finally peter kind of steps out and he says yes you're the messiah and so it's like this like groundbreaking moment for jesus and the disciples where we finally see them understanding who jesus is and and for us you know i think for us as disciples i think that we constantly are learning just a little more and a little more and a little more of who jesus is and and he continues to reveal himself to us you know, the, the, God's Word continues to real, reveal who Jesus is to us. Uh, today's no different. Uh, and, and one of the things that he says is he says that he must do some things. Only he's not talking about paying taxes or going to work or you know some of those things. Jesus is talking more specifically about some other things that he must do. And it's a passage of scripture that if you've been around the faith, that you've probably read before, and it has many intricacies. But there's there's I don't have the time to really like completely go into every single thing and really flesh out everything that I would like to. But uh, let's let's look at this together. Let's look at this. Mark chapter eight, uh, verse thirty one. Mark chapter 8, verse 31. And remember, again, Peter just, like, proclaimed that Jesus is the Messiah. You know, this is, you know, I'm thinking this is kind of like, you know, a moment for a party or something like that. And then we've gone into another, another moment here, and, and then this happens. So just read it with me. It says, and he began to teach, verse 31, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. So there's, there's four things right there, okay? There's four things that Jesus says that he must do. It's, it's, it, it doesn't say that Jesus says that he's thinking about doing these things. It doesn't say that Jesus uh, wonders if he should do these things. It doesn't say that Jesus might do these things. It says that Jesus says that he must do these things, and and they're all tied together. It's one lump of things. It's a list here, and it says must suffer many things. So the first thing that we see Jesus saying that he's going to have to do is that he is going to have to suffer. Secondly, it says, and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests, and the scribes. So basically, we see Jesus saying that he, is, he must be rejected by all of these religious leaders of the day. Now this, this is kind of crazy, you know. And we'll, we'll get into a little more of this here in just a minute. And then nextly, it says, and be killed. That he must be killed. Then it goes on, it says, and that he must be. Rise again, three days later. So we've got, we've got this we've got this list here, okay. And uh, I want to kind of I want to kind of set the stage here. I want us to kind of remember something. And I talked about this the week that we talked about that Peter recognized, and that they they more than likely the disciples were recognizing finally that Jesus is the Messiah, and uh, and and were you know actually vocalizing this out loud. Uh, But one of the things that we talked about, if you remember that, if you were with us that day, uh, is that um, Jesus not only, you know, that not only did they believe that he was the Messiah, but more than likely their understanding of who the Messiah is or was, was not the same as what you and I understand the Messiah to be. Now, we're, we're very blessed. We're on the backside of all of this, and we have the whole of Scripture to look at. And so we, we get to see like front and back, side to side, all of this, you know, setup of who Jesus is, who, you know, who he came to be, all the work that he did and everything, and, and, and they're piecing together, you got to remember, they're piecing together all of the things that they had through the Old Testament teachings as to who the Messiah should be, okay? Now, that being said, uh, they were looking for a king, and we've talked about this a whole bunch. They were looking for a king. And we know what kings look like. I think we kind of have, you know, kind of an idea of what kings look like and you know who they are and what they're about. And, you know, they're they're about, you know, they're about their kingdoms and they're about their, you know, all their little things. And, you know, they're they're about themselves a whole lot because they're, you know, they're king, you know, they're the man, you know. And and so, you know, that whole idea of you know who a king is, you know, is this is this is that type of person. Well, Jesus comes. And when Jesus comes and they and they're finally believing in him to be the Messiah, at this point they're believing in him probably to be the Messiah because they've seen him do so many great things. There kind of comes a point where you just kind of go, man, I don't know. He just kind of keeps healing people. Like I, I don't know if we can't just go on not believing. You know, I mean at some point, and, may, and maybe and maybe you're a believer here today, and maybe you're kind of like in that in that place in the water of like. You know, I I don't know what I believe, and I don't know how to believe, and you know all of these things. Let me let me just encourage you. And hopefully, by the end of this, uh, this can be simplified, and it should be simple for you to see who Jesus is and and what he's about and what he wants for us. And the truth is, is that for them, they were looking for a king that would come on their behalf, and that this guy would do away with the politics that he would do away with the government, you know, he was going to be like, he was going to be their ticket to like, you know, winning the day, you know, like their people, our people are finally going to win. It's like, you know, like a Tennessee Vols fan right now, you know, like, just like, just give us one, you know, or whatever, you know, I'm sorry, it's just so easy, Uh, you know, and I'm not a college guy, so I don't care, Uh, you know, so I got, you know, whatever. You know, ran on me about Kentucky or something. I don't care. Uh, we'll wait for basketball season. Uh, so, but yeah, so you got this whole, like, you know, thought process that these guys are in. And in this process of them, like, you know, trying to work out that Jesus is the Messiah, in the backs of their heads, they're looking for their Savior politically. Does that makes sense? And so. What we see happen next in the passage kind of leads to something because of that. I I, want to continue reading verse 32. It says, and he said this plainly. This is talking about what Jesus just said. All these things that he must do. It says, and he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh, I like I, I hope I get to talk to Peter one day, you know? Like I like I I want to be like, "Hey man, what was going through your mind when you thought that was a good idea?" You know? Like you decided like like literally like the wording here for Peter rebuking Jesus, it's the same exact wording of like when we see Jesus just chapters before rebuking demons out of people, okay? And I'm just like like, Peter went to Jesus with that kind of authority and was, like, and was like, uh-uh, no, no, Jesus, you got it all wrong. You know, Peter took him aside and began rebuking him. Verse 33, but turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter, talking about Jesus, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. I'm going to say it one more time. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. Boy, that's us, isn't it? I mean, like we're, we're trying, you know, at least some of us are trying some days, most days, Every once in a while, at some point, we're trying to pursue Jesus and, 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 and be more like him and learn more about who he is and, and what it means for him to save us and all those things. But at the end of the day, the truth is, is that we are all guilty of that exact same statement that Jesus rebukes Peter with, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. And that is so easy for us to do. And Peter, you know, in this moment, he's heard Jesus talk about four things that he must do that he must suffer, that he must be rejected by all of the religious leaders, that he must be killed, and he must rise again. Now, first of all, let's just take the last one and let's just, let's just honestly say, That one probably just blew the disciples' minds. They didn't even know what to do with that. you got to remember, this is the, the, well, you don't have to remember, maybe you didn't know, this is, good for us to know, this is the first instance where we see Jesus tell of his death and resurrection to come. This is a big deal. Like, this moment is a big deal, where we see Jesus for the first time explaining that he's going to die and he's going to rise again. This is huge. And so as Jesus is telling this to them, you know, you got to imagine, you got to remember that for Peter, you know, Peter's whole thing at this point and the disciples' whole thing at this point in believing in Jesus to be the Messiah as this person who's going to deliver them from the politics of the day. You know, he's going to be our Savior to finally, like, square up all of the things and we're going to win. Our people are going to win. You know, I mean, this is, I mean... uh, and, and, and in the political climate that we've got going on today, I think we can understand like just how, how much like somebody can want that. Like we, I know we all want that in some way, shape or form. Uh, you know, Peter wanted the same thing. The disciples wanted the same thing. When Peter hears Jesus say that he must suffer, when Peter says that he needs to be rejected, and when Peter hears that Jesus says that he, the king, of the Jews, the Messiah is has to die. <laughs> like in that moment, Peter, Peter, and the disciples are they're they're not going, hooray! Jesus has come to save us from our sins. They're not there. Okay, they're not there. That's not their fault, they're just not there. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's something that you haven't really understood. Like Jesus came to lay down his life. Like that was the plan all along for Jesus. Jesus knew from the moment that he came into the world that his existence here on earth was so that he would live this life and live it perfect to be the perfect sacrifice to lay down his life and take exactly what we deserve, which is death, away from us that if we believe in him and trust in him that we should be saved. Peter and the boys were struggling with this because to them, you know, they they were looking for the king. You know, finally they believed that he was the Messiah and they were looking for this person to be the person that was going to come and not just set things straight, not just like get them the win, so to speak, but they weren't looking for him to say, you know, I've come and I'm going to die. Because to them, that would be, what, no, what, no, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, no, you, can't, you didn't come to die. You came to be our king. Like, if you come and die, I mean, like you're, it sounds like you're just saying you're going to walk into war knowing you're going to die. Our king doesn't need to suffer. Our king doesn't need to be rejected. Our king doesn't need to die. Our king needs to win. That's what they're thinking. So Peter's response to Jesus in pulling him aside, you know, and I I can't pretend like I know what was going through Peter's head. I mean, I could take some stabs at it. You know, one of them is like, you know, uh, um, I think Jesus is, you know, not right with his meds or something right now. I'm going to pull Jesus aside over here. Come on, Jesus, go over here and talk for a minute. Like, let me talk to you for a minute. Jesus, are you okay? You all right, buddy? Like we're gonna, you know, you're gonna be you're the Messiah, right? You're the king, and you're talking about dying. Let's just let's just hang on for a second here. Like that's something we don't need to announce to everybody that you're thinking about that. Let's talk about that for a minute. They just didn't understand. And that's okay. That's okay. I run into people all the time who don't understand why Jesus came, they don't understand Christianity still trying to figure it out, or whatever, and, that, and that's part of the process, is that the Holy Spirit begins to speak to their hearts, just like He spoke to mine. And, and i got to tell you, the day that God spoke to my heart and, and helped me to see that I needed Him, at that point in time, I had done things earlier in my life that led me to believe that I was cool with Jesus, Okay? And there came a point in my life where I realized, because God spoke to my heart and he showed me, he said, Chris, you know a lot about me, but you don't know me. You go to church all your life and not know Jesus. Standing in a church doesn't make you a Christian anymore and standing in a garage makes you a car. That's one of my favorites. Our intent can be good, but if our understanding is lacking, like, say, Peter's or the other disciples, we find ourselves looking for something different than what Jesus is. Jesus doesn't want to just be fire insurance, you know, he doesn't want to just be about our eternity, he wants to be about our right now. You know, Jesus Jesus came and lived a life that we would have something to look at and go by. He he lived a life of perfection without sin that we might not just look at that and go, oh, man, that's just awesome that Jesus was able to live it. No, he, he did that on purpose. Like, without sin, he became the only person who could give his life, and it set the scales straight of justice for what we deserve for our sin. And Jesus stands in our place before the Father, And says, I'll take theirs. Any any who believe in me, I'll take theirs. Jesus had to die. Jesus had to die. He had to suffer. He had to be rejected. Why did he have to do those things? Why did he have to suffer and why did he have to be rejected? You know, it's an interesting thing because, uh, you know, the, the religious scholars at that point in time. Had spent a ton of time studying about the coming of the Messiah. They had spent a ton of time on that. But one of the things that they had left out that the Messiah would do, because again, they had made it so much about like this political person that was going to come and save the government and all this and save their people and everything, you know, that it was so much about that that they had missed some things that we have in Scripture, in the book of Psalms, in the book of Isaiah. You've got like three places in Isaiah. You've got Psalm 22. You've got these places where we see it being told that Jesus would come, the Messiah would come, and he would suffer. But that thought before this moment, that thought, and, and, and in this moment, blew all of these people's minds. I mean, like this is the, this is like a turning point literally in the, in, in this gospel account that we have of Christ's life where, where Jesus begins to explain and tell of the things that are going to come. And the truth is he's fulfilling scripture, but they missed, they just missed some of that stuff. They're like, they just kind of, you know, well, that's not, you know, that's not our Messiah. He's going to be the king, and he's going to rule, and man, is it going to be awesome. Everybody's going to get some robes finally, you know? i have been wanting some of those nice robes. I know he's going to be the kind of king to make sure we all get some. Yep, and that bread, oh man, we're all going to have good bread finally. None of that junk bread anymore, Right? Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Get behind me, Satan. This is exactly what, <laughs> this is exactly what Jesus says in other accounts uh, to a demon, different things. Uh, For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. And as small of a statement, but as big of a statement as that is, we know that that is us and that we struggle with that too. We struggle with that too. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay that we struggle with that. It's when we quit struggling with that that we should be concerned. It's when we quit pursuing Jesus that we should be concerned. Jesus is saying to us today, you know, for you are setting your mind on the thing, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And I don't know how that's true in your life, but I, I, think, I, I think that we could all agree that for every single one of us, that's true for something in our life. That's true for something, something that we're putting on the pedestal of worship in our life that we have made it bigger than we're making Jesus. Even if it's just momentary from time to time, if it's this little pet sin that we kind of pull out of the closet or whatever it is, the things that, that we struggle with, the things that we put before the Lord We know that we all struggle with those things. And Jesus comes and he's like, look, I love you anyway. I died for you anyway. He laid down his life for us anyway. Verse 34, it goes on, it says, and calling the crowd to him with the disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That might be the most sobering verse in all of Scripture when it comes to what it looks like for us to be disciples of Jesus. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. First of all, he's talking about us denying ourselves, and he's talking to them about them denying themselves. That's a that's a big deal. We don't we don't like to deny ourselves, you know. I mean we we go we go a little too long not, eat, not eating lunch or something, and all of a sudden like Oscar the Grouch like comes out of the trash can on people. I've seen some of y'all. You know, you know, I, I kind of keep crazy schedules or something. I've seen some of y'all have hung with me, you know, late, you know, in an evening or whatever, and I still hadn't eaten dinner and it's like eight or nine o'clock. And, and I see you over there and you're like, man, we gotta, we gotta do something. I'm like, what, what's going on? They're like, oh, I, I'm supposed to eat at seven. It's like, really? Okay. You know, I mean, you know what I'm saying though, but I mean, you know, we, we just like, we, we, we've got, we've got our rights. We're a people that have rights, you know, don't mess with our rights. Look at Facebook. You'll see everybody in their rights. If you don't don't know what somebody's rights look like, go go look on their social media and see what they're posting about. They're going to tell you what their rights are about, you know. And unfortunately, that is part of what Jesus just rebuked Peter and the disciples with, with, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Because Jesus is turning around and he's saying, I mean, because this is the same conversation being had here. And the very next sentence that Jesus says is that you need to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. Denying ourselves means that we're willing to give up our rights. You're like, know, no, 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 wait a minute, Chris. I'm an American. I'm with you. I'm with you. But let me help us to understand something. If any of that comes before our relationship with the Lord, if we find ourselves in situations where we think that our rights and us being right about our rights, or us holding on to a right versus loving somebody or caring for somebody versus having some horrible argument where we make people mad and all these other kinds of things, we're not in in the right place. We're exactly where Jesus is saying we are setting our mind on the things of man. To set our mind on the things of God means that we would deny ourselves and everything that is ours, our possessions, our rights, people doing us wrong, all of these things for the sake of the Lord. For the sake of the Lord. That people, that people would know Jesus because they know us. Not that they would know what our jobs are. Not that they would know who we're in a relationship with. Not that they would know how fantastic our kids are. And man, we do have some fantastic kids, don't we? That's right. You see, Jesus is trying to set the stage for the things to come. And he's saying, look, if you want to be on my team, (laughs) we got a battle to go to, but it's not what you thought. Because they thought that they were going to get a king that was going to come in and put together armies and they were going to go fight fire with fire and they thought you know our king's going to come and our king is going to teach us how to kung fu all these people in the face and have all the guns and stuff we've got now you know they're like we're going to I mean we're going to just we're going to be awesome because <laughs> You know, God's sending this king, so I mean, the battles must just be amazing that we're going to have, and we're going to rule. And that's not what Jesus is thinking at all. In fact, he just says plainly, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And when Jesus says, take up his cross, and follow me. Let me help us to understand something. Unlike us living in this day and age where we see a cross and we think of Jesus, okay? Like we see a cross and we think of like who God, you know, what God has done for us and forgiveness and and a lot of these types of things. When Jesus said that, they thought of lethal injection. They thought of an electric chair. They thought of being hung, or having your head chopped off, they thought about being killed. And Jesus, when he says this to the disciples, he is saying, you need to be willing to go with me, also taking up your cross, willing to die. And, and he goes on, verse 35, I want us to read this, says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And I, I know when Jesus said that that the disciples' heads probably spun around backwards. I'm sure they were like, "What? What? Jesus? Like, what just happened here? Like, we just believed in you to be the Messiah. We just believed in you to be the king. And now you're saying all this crazy stuff. You're talking about taking up our cross like we're all going to go die for the cause? Like what what happened to like the king who was going to come and save us from all of this bad stuff? I'll read it again. He says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. I think that's direct correlation to the statement that he says up above of, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. You see, the things of God are not necessarily all about here and now. They're eternal, and they're about a, about a kingdom that Jesus has brought with him. That's hard for us. To keep in mind and to imagine a lot of times, we're so here and now, it hurts us so much to lose people we love and all these things that we've been through even just recently. I mean, it's so hard. But the truth is, is that what God has done for us is that he has sent the one who is going to die and has died for us in our place to take the punishment that we deserve for our sin. And it all starts with him saying that he must suffer, be rejected, be killed, and rise again. For the disciples, this was hard to stomach. This was real, This was a moment. I, I I can only imagine, like just even seeing their facial expressions as Jesus began to say some of these things and to kind of pull some of this out. But for whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. Jesus, what are you talking about? Verse 36, he says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? What does... It profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul. You know, we, we've we been, you know, subjected, if you want to say it that way, <laughs> to all kinds of stories of like, you know, where, you know, people sign over their souls to the devil or whatever, you know. I mean, go with Ghost Rider, thank you, Nick Cage, um, if you want to even go there or not. That's a pretty terrible movie. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> I love Nick Cage and I love comic movies, but let's just face it, it is what it is. And then, you know, and then all, you know, I mean, we even have songs that are part of Americana, you know. The Devil Went Down to Georgia. I mean, just, you know, all these, you know, kind of, we have this idea of like, you know, sell your soul and, you know, to do something else, to save something or save somebody else kind of stuff. And, you know, we think about that. Those are kind of like funny examples, you know. They're made up, fictional, you know, whatnots. Here's the truth. I don't think that we just realize how big of a deal it is that God has given us our soul, and that He cares so much about it. You say, "Well, Chris, I, I don't know if God really cares a whole lot about my soul." No, I, let me explain something to you. And I think it's R.C. Sproul that said this. It's either him or Tom Wright. But um, talk about they talk about that God cared so much. For our souls, that He sent His Son to die for them. You think about that for just a minute. He swooped in into His creation and delivered Jesus to us that He would suffer, be rejected, be killed and rise again. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. And the truth is, is that I could harp and talk forever about, you know, how we, we, many of us, spend our lives doing exactly what this passage talks about where Jesus is warning us, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What is it all worth when we're gone? What was it good for? I'm way too busy many days of my life. I've figured this out and been super convicted about it over the last few weeks as I spend these little amounts of time with my kids and just realize my kids are growing up. And what's it worth? What's it worth if we work all the time? What's it worth even, you know, even sometimes good things, but what's it worth if my kids grow up without me? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? And then Jesus goes on and he says this, for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation Of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So there's one more piece of this where Jesus throws in there, don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of me. In fact, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you when that time comes. Final judgment. I want to read one more verse, and it's actually the very beginning verse of chapter 9. And I think it really probably belongs in chapter 8, but we got it in 9 because a scribe or somebody thought that's where they'd put it because they didn't have the numbers and all that back then. it were just letters and things like that, okay? It says this in one. It says, And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. There's a lot being said about what that verse is about. and could, I, I could probably preach a whole message on the different things that people say what that verse is about. Here's what I know. I know that Jesus is sharing it right after he has shared this huge concern that he has for these brothers that he loves very much knowing that we too would study this in 2018 and that he cares for us very much as well. There's a lot of things that we must do, but there are things that Jesus had to do. He had to suffer. He had to be rejected. And he had to die. But let me remind us of the fourth thing which we haven't talked a whole lot about. (laughs) And again, (laughs) I'm sure the disciples were like staying up late having conversations while everybody else was asleep. Like, what in the world did that mean that Jesus just told us today? Did he say that he's gonna die and then three days later he's gonna rise again? What in the world was that about? You see... Jesus didn't just go to the cross and die. He didn't just suffer. He didn't just get rejected. He didn't just give up his life and shed his blood. He defeated death and came back from it three days later to prove that he was the real deal. To prove that he's the real deal. It's not a fairy tale, it's history. This happened. This is truth. Hundreds of people saw Jesus after his death. It's this, this amazing thing that I think sometimes we forget that not only did Jesus die, but Jesus rose again. And one without the other wouldn't work. But both of them together are the key to our freedom and the key for us to find life even in death. We no longer have to fear death. We may not like it. We may not like it, especially when we see it. But the truth is, is we don't have to be afraid of it. Jesus came to lay down his life. He didn't come to be the king that they hoped for. He didn't come for the freedom from government and politics and all those things. Keller says... He didn't come to assemble armies and go fight fire with fire. He didn't take power. He gave it up and won. And in condemning Jesus, the world was condemning itself. And for us today, as believers, we're faced with what it looks like for us to take up our cross and follow Him. And that looks different for all of us. And the truth is is that for us, we're not in the danger that many of them were in in that day, but the truth is is that there may be a day where we do face the same dangers. And the gospel itself is going to be under attack, as it always has been, and we're going to be rejected from time to time, and we're going to suffer. Taking up our cross is the cost of discipleship. Jesus was telling them, you must be willing to walk into death with me. Lay down religion and pick up a relationship. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. This isn't about how much you can go to church. It's not about how good you can be. It's about allowing God into your life to change who you are and mold and shape you into being the light that he created you to be in this world that other people would know him because they know us. And sometimes that means that we lay down our rights, that we deny ourselves, and that our life is no longer about the things of this world, but it's about the things of God. But we have to get to that place in the very beginning where we admit that we need a Savior, or we realize, I can't save myself from my sin. I need somebody to do that for me. And the truth is is that there's only one person who's ever fulfilled the requirements of doing so, of setting things right in that justice system that God has with our sin. And it's punishment being death. Death. Jesus must die in order for us to live. He must die in order for us to live. And we must believe in Him in order to be saved. We must. Let's pray together. God, your gospel is so clear, and yet we make it complicated somehow. I don't know how we do it, but we're good at doing it. You know that. God, I I pray that you would help it to be clear. To anyone that's listening right now that needs it to be clear, I pray that today it would be clearer than ever. I pray that they would see through all the muck and just see, Lord, that you love them enough to come after their souls. God what you've done for us nobody else would be willing to do. You gave up your child to die in our place for the death that we deserve, God that we might know you. Not that not that we might just get a great life out of it, not that we might get to live in heaven with you one day, not just for those things, God. Lord because that you want a relationship with us, you want to change us, and you want to fulfill the purpose that you have given us in this life. God, there is not a single person that you have left on the planet that doesn't have that purpose. God, I pray that you would help us to find it. Help us to believe. God, give us exactly what we need. Lord, help us to see that we must believe and that he had to die. God, thank you for what you've done for us through your son.